Let's all stand together as we are able for the reading of God's word. Today's reading is from Colossians chapter 3. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, and if a complaint, if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other. As the Lord has forgiven you, so you must also forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. The word of the Lord. Well, if you're a parent of a young child and just heard that announcement with terror, fear not. I know that our time should be a bit shorter this morning, but it is an opportunity for our kids to join us for an entire service that's a little bit different, but I will be conscious of the time, don't worry. But would you please uh, join with me in prayer? Father, uh, you have uh, just spoken to us your word in, in the form of, of this letter that Paul has written to the Colossian church, and we want to hear it for ourselves. Uh, we want to be um, present, we want our hearts to be opened, and we want to be changed because we know that anytime you change us, it is for our good. It is what we need to become. And so please open our hearts and our minds, help me to speak clearly and faithfully that together we, your church, might be a church that becomes more like Christ Jesus. And we pray this in Jesus' name, amen. So I'd like to just kind of drill right down and focus on the verse that I think is, is the one that I'd like us to consider most this morning. And that's the very last verse that Gretchen read for us. Whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. You know, sometimes I think people say, hey, I struggle when I'm reading the Bible. It's hard for me to know what's relevant. It's hard for me to know what's really addressing my life. Well, you don't need to ask the question about this verse, do you? I mean, you can imagine, say if Paul, instead of writing where the, to the Colossians, was, was kind of lecturing the Colossian church, and he begins in this moment and he says, whatever you do, and some person kind of raises their hand, says, so wait a second, are you talking about my work? And, and Paul might pause and say, well, is it something you do? He's like, yeah, well then, yes, I'm talking about this. Okay, how about my time with friends? Uh, yep, that's included. Um, when I'm just kicking back and relaxing, yes, and even when you're eating, when you're sleeping. And so then he wants to kind of, in case we're missing it, whatever you do, whether in word or in deed, so if you're talking, yep, I'm talking about that. If you're acting, I'm talking about that. And in case we have still missed it, everything, he says, you do. So this is like the omni-relevant verse. It is talking about every single aspect of your life, whatever you do. In word or in deed, do 
everything. And then he says, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus. Okay. But what does that mean? I mean, we don't really think much about doing something in the name of someone. That's not common in the way that we think. And probably if we do think we know what it means, we, you know, it's, it's likely that we might get it at least partly wrong because this is not just talking about giving credit to Jesus. That's oftentimes, I think, what we think when we're saying do something in the name of Jesus in every way, give him credit. Well, this is not so much talking about credit. It's talking more about our identity. That's, that's what the idea of name was in that day. To have a name was your identity, is what was defining you. And scripture speaks of how our baptize, baptism symbolizes a change in name. You know, you're baptized in the name of the Trinitarian God, in the name of Jesus. Scripture says what baptism symbolizes is that your old name is done. The name that you used to have, that was your own identity separate from anyone else, you have a new name, and that's Jesus. He is the one who defines you. He is the one who shapes you. You belong to him, not yourself. In every way, you are representing Christ. That's what it means to do something in his name. I suppose the closest analog I can think of for our contemporary situation is if you're an ambassador, a political ambassador. If somehow, for some strange reason, I became the ambassador of France, then in my interactions with the French government, I couldn't just say whatever I wanted to. Everything I say, I'm supposed to be representing the United States. So I could only say what I think reflected the will of the American government. And every action that I made in terms of, like, say, forming treaties or rejecting things, again, that's not just my choice. The actions are to be an expression, a representation of the American leadership. I would be doing everything in the name of the United States. Well, the same holds true for what it means to do something in the name of Jesus. In every way, we are to be representing him. Our words are to be filled with, with the truth of Jesus, whether that's sometimes the wisdom that we have through Christ or the encouragement and hope we have in Christ or even occasionally the correction that we can bring through Jesus. Our actions in every way are supposed to reflect Christ in the way that we are towards people. We are seeking to show Jesus so that just in the same way as an ambassador in some ways represents the presence of a country in another country, so we as those who bear the name of Jesus bring his presence wherever we go. We are called to extend his presence. That's what it means to be bearing the name of Jesus. In everything you do, every moment of your existence, your calling as a believer in Christ is to be doing things in the name of Christ. That's what Paul says. But notice he doesn't just stop there. That's not where the verse ends. He says, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Now, to be clear, this is not kind of a twofold command. He's not saying, in everything you do, I want you to do two things. Do it in the name of Christ and give thanks. No, this is, this is a clarification of what it means to live in Christ's name. And we can tell that because when he says, giving thanks to God the Father, he's saying, doing it through Jesus. As one who is bearing the name of Jesus, 
this is something that you do. So, so if you want to paraphrase, you could say, Paul is saying, in everything that we do, word, deed, everything, do it in the name of Jesus, and let me tell you, one of the things this means is that you should be giving thanks always. Now, it's interesting to me that of all the ways that Paul feels the need to clarify what it means to live and act and speak in the name of Christ Jesus, this is the one that he's going to focus on. I mean, he could have focused on a lot of other things, right? He could have said, do everything in the name of Jesus, loving another like God has loved you. Or do everything in the name of Christ Jesus, speaking the truth that you have in Christ. These things would be true, but that's not where he goes. Do everything in the name of Christ Jesus, giving thanks. And it's not an isolated thing that he says this. He, he does this repeatedly. If you jump back, just two verses back to verse 15, Paul says, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you are called in one body. And by that he's saying, when Jesus died for you, he brought peace between you and God. And not only that, he brought you together as his body. He has made peace, live into that peace. And then he says, oh, and be thankful. Verse 16, same thing happens. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. That is, as we're speaking, as we're singing, in every way, the truth of who Jesus is should shape it. Always giving thanks to God, he concludes. Do you see that every single time he's talking about Christ changing us, Christ transforming us, us bearing the name of Christ, he always feels the need here to say, and don't forget to be thankful. For him, it seems inconceivable that you could grow as a Christian without this other piece. Paul is saying, do you want to be Christ-centered? Do you want to be more like Jesus? I hope you do, because that's what you need to be as a Christian. If you do, make sure that as you're pursuing that, you are pursuing gratitude, because the two go so closely together. Now, why is that? Well, I think at least one of the reasons is that gratitude gets at the very heart of what it means to be a child of God. Gratitude is us welcoming and rejoicing in the truth of who we are before God and who God is towards us. It begins by recognizing that nothing we have have we earned. And just think for a moment right now of what you're doing. You are breathing. Have you earned the air that you breathe? Have you done anything to deserve it? No. Or think of the work that you have, the possessions you have. We like to think that we have worked hard to get where we are and that we deserve to be where we are. And of course we have worked hard, but do we deserve it? No. What did you do to deserve to have the work ethic that you were born with or that was passed down to you from your parents? What did you do to be born healthy and with strength to work? What did you do to be brought up with education and training? You don't deserve that. It, it's not something that you've earned. And neither do we earn our family. It's not what we deserve the spouse that we have or the children that we have or the parents that we have. We don't deserve our friends. Gratitude begins with recognizing, I am not owed anything. But it goes beyond that. Gratitude involves realizing that everything that we have is not just some accident. We don't just go, man, I am so lucky. Everything we have is a gift. 
And it's a gift from God who, as our Father, is showing his love to us. Do you realize that everything that you enjoy is meant by God to help you to realize how much he loves you? Every breath you breathe, every moment of sunshine outdoors that you're enjoying, every time you're tasting the goodness of food or just being present with each other and and delighting in that, who is the one who gave that to you? God. And he delights in giving it to you because he loves you. And gratitude is when we see that and we savor that. It's at the heart of what it means to be a child of God. And that's why it goes so closely together with what it means to be one who is in Christ, because Christ is the Son of God, who was supremely grateful. We see that on earth when he is seeing how his disciples are finally catching on. He says, I thank you, God, that you revealed this to them. When he is about to to do a miracle, bringing Lazarus back from the dead, thank you, God, that I know that you hear me. Even when he's about to go to the cross as he's breaking bread, it says he gives thanks before saying, this is my body. And as we take on Christ, as we bear his name, hand in hand, gratitude is meant to be a part of that transformation. See, the passage is saying that whatever you do, whether it is word or deed, do everything with thankfulness, giving thanks. When you are working long hours and you are tired, give thanks that God has given you the ability to work. When you are at home at Thanksgiving and enjoying the feast or watching football and falling asleep, give thanks because this too is from God. In everything, with every breath, our calling is to give thanks because that is what it looks like to grow as a believer. That is what it means to be a Christian, a child of God, one who savors God's love for us. That is what we are called to in this passage this morning. And I speak about this as one who feels, as I've been reflecting on this passage, woefully inadequate in this area. I wonder if you're like me, who we who are maybe driven are always aware of what we have next to do. The things in our work that we still have to fix the areas that are still lacking, the things in our life that still need something. We can constantly be forward-looking and never take a moment to realize, I have been given and given and given some more. And I'll tell you, my lacking in gratitude is, is spiritual immaturity. Just think for a moment of how much we want to grow in gratitude. If I could tell you this morning that there would be a pill that would make your life longer and happier and more relaxed, wouldn't you want it? And gratitude does that. Now, of course, it doesn't actually necessarily extend your days, but gratitude slows them down. I mean, we always talk about how fast everything goes. Gratitude stops and notices And what's more, gratitude savors. It gives us the ability to rejoice, to experience more deeply the love of God. And as we see how God has been faithful again and again, like we've even spoken of this morning, it gives us less fear and the ability not to be anxious because we recognize just the way that God is towards us. Haven't we even felt that this morning? Gratitude makes life richer. 
And the good news is this is not something that we can just kind of like hope happens to us. There are steps that you and I can take as we are called to not only just pursue Christ, but as we pursue Christ, pursue gratitude, there are things that we can do. There are practices that we can embrace. And I'd like to encourage you to kind of join me in just taking two simple steps as we are a people called to be more grateful. The first one is a question I'd like for you to ask for yourself. What is one practice, one goal that you can set for yourself for the time between now and Christmas. That's just five weeks. Some practice that you can introduce into your life for these five weeks that can help you move towards gratitude. Maybe it's something that you will do as a family every day. Maybe it's something you do personally. For me, and I know this sounds simple, but I'm finding low expectations is the best way to move forward. <laughs> My goal is when I wake up in the morning and when I go to bed at night to just briefly give thanks to God for the day that's before me and what I've seen in the day behind me. Just, even if it's just a few seconds, to, to savor and to recognize again how this comes from God. I'm hoping, I'm seeking to do that daily, to introduce that more into part of my life. What, what step can you take? Because don't we want to be more grateful? We know we are called to be more grateful. And the other thing I'd like you to do is even simpler to do, and that is even right now, we begin in changing by confessing where we need to change. You know, Romans says that although we knew God to be God, we neither recognize, acknowledged him as God nor give thanks to him. It's saying that at the very heart of sin is ingratitude. And so as we turn towards the table, a table where we celebrate, a table where we have all the reason in the world to be thankful, let's spend a moment even right now acknowledging before God silently where we haven't been grateful and pray asking that God would change our hearts. And after a couple minutes of silence and prayer, I'll lead us in this time of confession. Would you please join with me in prayer? Father, we only see some small portion of how generous you are towards us. Uh, we've spoken of the, the creaturely comforts we enjoy, and we haven't even talked of the greatest gift that we have, that we have Christ Jesus. Lord, we are sorry for our ingratitude. Uh, there's no other name for it. We are not grateful like we should be. And we know that's wrong. And our desire, Lord, is to be more the people we should be. We want to see your grace more clearly, to savor it more deeply, to be more filled with joy at just how much you love us. And so we ask that as we seek to take steps of obedience, that you would develop in our hearts a gratitude and an ability to see your grace towards us. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Friend, hear the good news of the gospel. 
In Isaiah, God says, Remember these things, O Jacob and Israel, for you are my servant. I formed you. You are my servant, O Israel. You will not be forgotten by me. I have swept away your transgressions like a cloud and your sins like a mist. Return to me, for I have redeemed you. Brothers and sisters, our Father in heaven has dealt with our sin by sending his Son, Jesus, to die for us. You have been redeemed and your sins are forgiven. Thanks be to God.